0: Pilate entered the headquarters again, and he summoned Jesus and he asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. But for this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. It was 1922, and the Pope was worried. World War I had ended just a few years ago, and it was supposed to be the war to end all wars. Remember that? Everyone thought its end would bring this time of great peace and prosperity and tranquility, but those things never arrived. Instead, much of Europe had been turned to rubble. Governments were being overthrown. There was widespread economic chaos, stagnant wages, rising unemployment, and poverty so severe that in some places people were starving to death. And beneath it all, this festering anger over the war that had just ended and hatred between opposing nations. So Pope Pius XI was worried. He had just become pope, but it seemed obvious to him that the whole situation was a recipe for disaster, that all the seeds had been sown for fascist and authoritarian governments to gain power. People were so angry, So unsettled, so desperate for change that they were willing to follow anyone or anything that promised to improve their situation and increase their power. The Pope was right to be worried. That same year, a man named Benito Mussolini became prime minister in Italy and within three years consolidated power as a brutal dictator. A few years later, the National Socialist Party in Germany fanned the flames of national pride and fear and hatred to gain power, though today we know them by a different name, Nazis. Across many nations, people turned to fascist authoritarian governments for hope, to save them. And to help combat this situation, the Pope created the day that would eventually become what we're celebrating today, Christ the King Sunday. He hoped it would remind people that Jesus Christ is King and Lord, not political leaders or social movements or even loyalty to a nation. And he also hoped it would remind people that the type of leadership and movements they were gravitating towards stood in opposition to the way of servant leadership that Christ, our King, demonstrated, and were directly opposed to the values and ways of the kingdom of God. He wrote, rebellion against the authority of Christ has led to deplorable consequences, the seed of discord sown far and wide, bitter enmities and rivalries between nations which still hinder the cause of peace, that insatiable greed which is so often hidden under a pretense of public spirit and patriotism and gives rise to so many quarrels, a blind and immoderate selfishness making people seek nothing but their own comfort and advantage. I don't know how much of a difference the Pope's efforts made Within just a few years, the world plunged back into a massive war, and the problems he described, they're still with us today. But it's important to acknowledge how this Sunday came to be and what purpose it was meant to serve, because we are living in times of unrest, and we're seeing the rise of new forms of fascism with all its false promises and lust for power and charismatic figures All around the world, today is meant to remind us that there is a difference between the way our world thinks about power and leadership and the way that God thinks about these things. Today is meant to remind us that there is a difference between the values of earthly kingdoms and the values of God's kingdom. In our gospel reading this morning, what we're really seeing is an encounter between an earthly kingdom and the kingdom of God. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea, which meant he was appointed by the Roman Empire to keep peace and to protect their interests. He was representative of the greatest power in the world, and Rome conquered with an iron fist and with the perpetual threat of violence and utter destruction. This was how they understood leadership and power through the lens of domination, oppression, and violence. And in our reading today, Pilate came face to face with someone and something that he just could not understand. Jesus. and the kingdom of God, he proclaimed... Pilate couldn't understand how this man standing in front of him, weak, powerless, with no armies or might or strength of force, could possibly be a king. In his mind, power and might and force is what defined a king. Instead, Jesus Jesus taught about nonviolence about loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you, about humbly serving those who are lowly. And then he he went and did all those things throughout his life and his ministry, even when he was challenged and threatened, even now when his life is on the line. When one of his followers took out a sword and tried to keep Jesus from being arrested, Jesus told him to put it away. He said those who live by the sword will die by the sword, and that is not the way of God's kingdom. He told Pilate, if my kingdom were of this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over. But that wasn't happening, because Jesus' kingdom is not of this world." We should not think of Jesus as some enlarged version of human kingship, Jesus defines what a king truly is and is meant to be. That's why he criticized leaders who used power for their own gain to advance their position, to take advantage of others. He told his disciples, you know that among the nations of the world, there are great ones lorded over them, but it's not to be that way among you. Whoever wants to be great among you, must be a servant. For Jesus, the mark of true greatness is service to others. The mark of good leadership is servant leadership. The way of righteous power is to use it for the well-being of others. And the sign of belonging to God's kingdom is a rejection of extreme nationalism and instead embracing people of every tribe and nation with love. God's kingdom rebukes and opposes authoritarians and dictators and anyone who seeks to oppress or hold people down anyone who uses power for their own gain at the expense of others anyone who employs and embraces violence and force to dominate and control this is why the earliest Christians were willing to do anything share God's love, and spread God's kingdom, except use violence, or pick up the sword, or embrace this world's way of domination and control. In fact, they were far more willing to die before doing that. Throughout time, that's been hard for many people to understand. But Christians have lived this way because we do not belong to any kingdom of this world. We belong to God's kingdom, where Jesus Christ is king. And so today we are meant to ask, where has our thinking, our actions, our worldview been hijacked by the ways of this world? In what ways have we placed our allegiance to other things before our allegiance to Christ. Goodness knows there are a lot of temptations to do so. And God calls us to repent and to embrace the values of our king and his kingdom. Now listen, I know all this talk of kings and kingdoms might make some of you uncomfortable and nervous because it brings to mind images of feudalism. And because if we're honest, as Americans, we are like, really sensitive about monarchy and royalty. Though we're also obsessed with the British royalty, and I don't understand that. And that that has nothing to do with my sermon at all. I felt like I just needed to get that off my chest. But we should be clear what we mean when we talk about Jesus being king. What we're saying is that Jesus is in control. And just as importantly, We are not. I don't mean Jesus is in control in the sense of like everything happens for a reason or it's all part of God's plan. I hear people say that a lot, and I'm not always sure what it means, but it sounds like people are saying that every single thing that happens in this world, down to the tiniest of things, take place because God wants them to and makes them happen. And that isn't true. God doesn't want evil in this world. God does not seek tragedy or brokenness. God does not desire for people to be harmed or hurt. God does not will injustice or oppression. And God does not wield violence. If that were the case, how could we ever trust God? You see, acknowledging that Jesus is king means admitting that we are not in control. We're not in control of this world or the events around us. If we're honest, we're not even in control of our own lives. We want to be in control because we want power and because the world around us is uncertain and a little terrifying and being able to control it, that would be great. You know what I'm talking about. But any control we think we have is mostly an illusion. And proclaiming Jesus as king means setting down our desire for control. And to be honest, I needed that reminder this week. I've shared with you in the past that I receive treatment for both anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder. And and not having control is hard for me, as it's hard for most people. I see you laughing back there. (laughs) It's hard for most of us to not have control, isn't it? It probably also won't surprise you to hear that being a pastor during this pandemic has also been hard. And recently, I've been scared. I've been scared about what our church may look like when COVID recedes and we return to normal. I've been scared that people might not come back and that all our efforts during the pandemic to keep people engaged will, will turn out to be ineffective and inadequate. And my response to those fears has been to try to control everything, to work too hard, to worry even more, to try to do everything myself, to feel the weight of keeping everyone connected on my shoulders as if it's all my responsibility, so I have to work harder and exhort More control until I feel overwhelmed and like I'm being crushed. Which is why I'm so grateful for Christ the King Sunday. And the reminder that I am not in control. Because while letting go of our desire for control is scary, it's also liberating. And setting aside our need for control brings peace and freedom. Christ is King. And that doesn't mean life's always going to go the way we want or that we'll be protected from all the troubles of this world, but it does mean we have a king who's with us amidst those troubles, providing us strength and faith that hopes. It means we can trust that this world, as Pastor Sarah said during the beginning of our service, is headed towards the destination that Jesus promised, when God's kingdom will come fully to this earth and wrongs will be made right and the world will be healed. And we can trust our king. Jesus has shown he's worthy of our trust. He was willing to face pilots. Willing to be condemned. Willing even to die on a cross for us. For our well-being. For our salvation. Jesus has shown that he will stop at nothing to care for us. He's shown us exactly what kind of king he is. And so this morning, we proclaim, Jesus Christ is King. And we are not. And for that, we give thanks. Amen.